Welcome to a brand new neon-drenched episode of Save Station Radio, where this time around we played the only cyberpunk game that matters in 2020, Ghost Runner, baby. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me is Not my Connor. co-host, Connor. I forgot how you introduced us, fuck. <laughs> and that's staying in. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, well, I'm Connor. There you go. <laughs> you know me. Uh, this is a good one so far. Released October 27th, 2020, not that long from when we're recording, on PC, PS4, Xbox One, with a Switch version coming, what was that, a week later? On November 10th, two weeks later? And then it's coming to PS5 and Series X sometime next year. The Metacritic is, what, an 81 on PC? Yeah, and that's the thing that I'll say right off the bat, is probably get the PC version of this game. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it in the show notes. I watched a video of the Switch performance, and it's pretty passable-ish. <laughs> like, it looks really bad, but it runs fine. So if that's not a problem, I would say f- fine. But definitely try and get it on PC. There was also some really bad performance issues on the PS4 Pro specifically, which I oh, find weird. Weird. Yeah, I just did a little bit of research, but there's, at least at launch, I think it's probably patched out now, but there was some issues with playing it on a PS4 Pro rather than a regular PS4, Um, and then I've heard nothing on the Xbox One version, but pretty much all of the reviews you'll see, including this one, were reviewed off of the PC version. Yeah, and if you are going to play this game on console, I would maybe wait till you have a next-gen system, because it's pretty intensive. Developed by One More Level and who else here? Uh, so it was primarily developed by One More Level, which is a studio based in Krakow, Poland. And then it was given development help by Slipgate Ironworks, which I believe is a smaller team slash studio within 3D Realms. Um, the 3D Realms shows up, like logo and the Slipgate Ironworks sh- logo show up on the game. But I believe they're kind of the same. Um, and then there, it was published by All In Games, which has published all of One More Level's games, and then also 505 games. Um, 3D Realms, of course, known for the uh, all-around classic Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> and probably some better things, but no, not that I've that, researched that. Just that, just that one, one, I think, yeah. All right. Just that one, that Fair classic enough. gem. Um, soundtrack by Daniel Deluxe, and what a great job that person did daniel deluxe was a name that i was familiar with before this game just because this was a he does a lot of uh synthwave type music which i'm big into so the name showed up in a couple like spotify recommend lists and i had it on a couple playlists so when that showed up as the soundtrack i'm like oh this is great also this soundtrack is great (laughs) you can find it on probably youtube but it's also on Daniel Deluxe's Bandcamp if you want to buy it. It's also on Spotify if you just want to stream it. Uh, that's where I've listened to it the most, and it is great, great stuff. Yeah, it's it's great, and we'll we'll um, discuss it in a little more detail in a in a minute. Ghost Hunter was announced at Gamescom 2019 with a demo arriving on PC. Um, I will say it had several demos on PC. I downloaded all of them and then never got around to playing them, like all demos I download, because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> it's it, like I I still have the Pikmin 3 demo on my Switch not tried it i'm really bad about that by the way 
you have some information here on the developer. Do you want to enlighten us? Yeah, so uh, One More Level has produced three games before this, their first being a game called Deadlings. Uh, in 2014, on PC, with getting a Switch version much later, obviously. And that's like a 2D puzzle platformer with some like strategy elements, from what I could gather. Uh, you're, you play as Death, who's making a zombie army. It looks super charming. Uh, then they made Warlocks vs. Shadows in 2015, which is a uh, pixel art 2D brawler. And then in 2018, they made God's Trigger, which is a 3D top-down shooter. Okay, so this is probably their most high-profile release to date. Um, and that's kind of all the supplemental information we have. This isn't like part of a series or anything. You know, we have no history with it, obviously. Because uh, how could we? That's all we got for that. So let's just talk generally about what we think of this game. And I'm going to set the tone for myself here and say, this is the biggest surprise of 2020 for me. I think this game might legit be pretty high on my top 10. I loved it. Really? Yes. I think this game is excellent. And I was not ex like, I Again, I saw the stuff, the pre-release stuff, the demos and stuff, and thought it looked cool. Uh, I did not expect to be as in love with it as I am. I think to sort of give people an idea, I think it's the comparison you see a lot if you look up information on this game. Yeah, it's kind of lazy, but it's, it's you know, people use it for good reason, because it's true. It is first-person Katana Zero. It's very much about getting into a combat arena with a bunch of enemies, learning that combat arena, and learning how to dispatch the enemies as quick as possible. It's um, it's very fast-paced, and it's very quick. Uh, enemies all take one hit point, as do you. So it's about dodging, it's about being perfect, it's about parrying, and not getting hit. Uh, it's one of those games, and that's why it's getting compared to Katana Zero and stuff like Hotline Miami and even Super Hot, because it's just it's very quick. It's it's honestly pretty brutal, but like those games that are successful, it has instant restarts and pretty fair checkpoints. So you'll run into a room, fail immediately, respawn the a second later, do it again, do it again, do it again until you get it right. And I love that style of gameplay. It just clicks in my brain so much, like that very trial and error, but it's got a logic to it, right? It's not unfair. You can learn it, and you can learn how enemies behave, and you'll be successful, but it's going to take you a few times. And that's why I loved it. Yeah, and I sounded surprised at your glowing praise of this. I am exactly on the same side as you <laughs> for this. I honestly ex just loved this game. As someone who loved both Hotline Miami, Miami games... You know, loved things like Super Hot and another game that I'm going to compare this to a lot is Fury, F-U-R-I. And as someone who loved those games and still loves those games, this kind of fit that niche really well. Specifically Hotline Miami, I think that comparison of getting into an arena, obviously they're different gameplay styles and different games entirely, but that same dying and then instant restart and it's the same kind of learning style your of gameplay loop like it's yes yes yeah i i love this game uh i played it we both played it on pc did you play it with a controller yes for the for 98 percent of it talk about why in a minute what about you 
Uh, I played it completely with keyboard. Um, That's honestly probably the way you should do it. Yeah, I mean, if you're used to keyboard and mouse controls, which I am, but I could see, you know, wanting a controller and doing it that way. Yeah, um, it does a thing all great action games should do, which it makes you feel like a badass all the time while still being very challenging. It's it's honestly pretty pretty engrossing. <laughs> it's it's just so addicting the right way. It's one of those games I finished it and was bummed I didn't have more, which is you know great. <laughs> like I absolutely loved it. Um, I you know will say and I'll get your quick opinions on this as well. I do think it's most disappointing aspect and, and why I think that Hotline Miami or not Hotline Miami that uh, Katana Zero comparison is a little lazy because well in gameplay yes it totally is that in story it pales in comparison I do think this is probably one of the lamest stories of the year um, it's incredibly predictable and obvious and totally just there to serve the gameplay which is fine again this is going to be one of my favorite games of the year but if I'm, we're critiquing this I will say the story is pretty uneventful which is you know in contrast to something like Katana Zero, which has an excellent story, it, it was a little bit of a letdown, especially hearing those comparisons before I got into the game. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the atmosphere and the world of Ghost Runner is very beautiful, and I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, but the characters, specifically the architect, which you meet like right out the gate, I think is probably one of the weakest characters oh my Um, god he's here's the problem it's one of those stories and this is i'm just gonna spoil look the instant the first character talks to you you go that's the villain like the first sentence out of his mouth like they didn't even try it's so weird (laughs) like you know usually when something like that happens where they're like oh wow you just instantly know this is gonna be the villain Usually I would expect then for them to subvert it in some way. And right after that, you meet Zoe, who is the last of like a resistance group called the Climbers. And she, you know, the architect's trying to get you to turn on her or just forget about her or not help her save a bunch of humans. Which yeah, is... it's literally like, are you going to help save a bunch of people or just further my goals? She's <laughs> just like, okay, okay. But usually if I, if they do something like that i expect them to subvert it later down later down the line like maybe zoe turns and then or zoe was being was actually just mara the whole time the lead villain and then the architect was actually trying no it's pretty predictable the architect is actually a bad guy and he turns right at the last second and then you fight him in a platforming sequence and then the game ends yeah so you know a little bit of a letdown but not enough to drag the entire game down by any means. No, no, no. Needless to say, don't play this game for the story. Play it for the excellent gameplay. And, and I will say, you do say it does look really nice, and I do like the world. That being said, it is just a cyberpunk world. It's not like there's nothing very well, yeah, unique but... about the world itself. It's Blade Runner. I'm sure it'll be just like you know the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077. Like it is that, which you know it looks great and it it has a vibe. Even if that vibe's unoriginal, it it sticks to it and it nails the aesthetic i think but i'm also a sucker for cyberpunk worlds yeah it's very cool i have a blade runner poster on my wall like that kind (laughs) of sums it up for you i think yeah and to be fair i mean it's that kind of thing where like 
they nail it well enough to where it's like, yeah, sure, you're not doing anything original here, but Cyberpunk's a cool setting, so inherently that's kind of cool. It's kind of like how, like, I don't know, like, like you can make a cool steampunk thing, but, like, it's still copying steampunk, but if you do it right, uh, it's still kind of cool, you know? <laughs> like, like it's like if you nail yeah, a certain yeah, aesthetic or genre, even if you don't have anything original to say, it can still be cool. Um, and I will say that for here. I do... So... I, I guess we'll talk about enemy types in a second when we get into more more detail. Um, well, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say before we get into spoilers? And by that, I mean more gameplay as spoilers. Yeah, well, I'll, I wanted, while we're talking about the graphics, I wanted to talk about the smart way that this game conveys player information. And it's something that happens a lot in a lot of good games where the as much as this is you know a copy of pretty much every other cyberpunk aesthetic which i love the way that it incorporates those elements into gameplay as a way to convey this is a very fast-paced game so you need to be able to tell what is what at a moment's notice so when they have a level with a bunch of neon signs that have like scrape marks on them and they introduce it as here you can wall run on this then every time you see a similar looking neon sign you're going to be like okay i can wall run off of that and instantaneously when you're in like a combat encounter that you need to be thinking fast that's not going to slow you down you're not going to be wondering if you can wall run on something you know they do that with the same sort of like textured walls that have those scrape marks the same kind of hooks with these blue video game circles on them that you can grapple hook onto all of that is very clear to the player while still fitting in the aesthetic yeah i know that's not a it's not a huge thing like not a novel thing i mean one of the best examples is doom 2016 which we've talked about how pretty much every grabbable ledge is indicated by glowing green light it's kind of the similar thing but you know it's always good to see it never got in the way the graphics didn't the gameplay didn't suffer because of the aesthetic yeah totally it definitely borrows from that like i think uncharted 2 was the first one that started doing like oh, it's all the yellow things you can climb on for sure and that's that's very smart and yeah especially the world that could look very cluttered and confusing it's always good to have that sort of level design where it draws the player's eye and you know exactly what you can do where um to that end i did have a problem and it wasn't enough to ruin the experience for me but i'm curious if you experienced this as well every once in a while i would grapple hook and try to chain it into a wall run and the wall run just wouldn't work and i'd fall to my death did that happen to you at all yeah there was also a few moments when i would jump off of a wall towards another wall and it wouldn't wall run um my solution for that was mainly just like making sure you're looking in the correct direction looking towards the wall but still forward because if you're perpendicular or close to perpendicular you won't wall run for obvious reasons but if you're looking a little too far away it might not register so it's a little wonky but it was something i got used to it still did happen quite a bit though so oh really i wouldn't say it happened to me a lot it was just every once in a while it would happen i'd be like no i was definitely on that wall though i don't know what what happened there and it was never during combat sequences it was always just doing the pure platforming stuff so i'm not really sure what happened there, but it did happen often enough for me to make note of it.
I guess we could talk about the structure a little more. It's basically divided up into platforming sequences and combat arenas, and I think both of which are very fun. The platforming is very precise. Honestly, I think we were talking uh, uh, about it somewhere, and you were mentioned it was like, I thought Crash Bandicoot 4 was going to be the most precise platformer that I played this year. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I honestly don't think that's a bad comparison. It totally feels like that sort of fast-paced 3D platformer style where you kind of have to constantly be paying attention or you're going to die. And I found that immensely satisfying and impressive considering this is a first-person game. I feel like usually that's that's a really hard thing to accomplish. Um, we praised Doom Eternal for that earlier this year, and I think that, honestly, this does it even better. Oh, yeah, for sure. The first-person platforming is always something that's, you know, it's something that's been around forever. There was one on the N64, I believe. First-person platformer? Am I getting that right? Uh, there was, um, fuck, PlayStation game. Um, PlayStation 1. PlayStation 1. Uh, jumping Fast. Jumping Clash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been around for a while. It's just, you know, even my favorite game of all time, Metroid Prime, does it, and it's still a little clunky. I think a- another huge comparison that this game is compared to is Mirror's Edge, and I think that's also kind of fair because that sort of snappy, responsive, parkour-type platforming really works and then in this game you also have that dash which can save you a little bit and then kind of figuring out how to chain all those in these platforming sequences is really satisfying to pull off yeah all the stuff around movement just feels so good you also get a slide that's very satisfying then there's a lot of sequences where you have to make use there's a lot of sequences where you basically have to make use of everything so you're sliding you're dashing you're doing the slow motion dash which you also get um to help you dodge bullets which also feels very good. You know, grapple hooking, you're sliding again. Like, it's it, it's very, very fast. And it's got that, again, it's got that quick restart when you fail. And it just, there's something about it, my brain that's like, I'm just going to keep doing this till I win, <laughs> you know? And there are moments of this yeah. game, like, this is totally the kind of game where, like, there's three boss fights in this game, one of which I think sucks, but two of them are pretty good, uh, where, like, those first two boss fights, you can beat them in, like, five minutes. But it's going to take you like half an hour your first time because it's just trial and error, but it feels so good. It's all about learning the timing of the level and the attacks, and it's it's so good. It's got that, like, just that addictive quality, that really fun, like, I've, I've almost got it. I've almost got it one more time, one more time, and the restarts are so quick and so snappy that that makes that viable. Um, I feel like if you even had to wait two seconds between restarts, it would ruin it. Like, the fact that they nailed that is so important. Which is probably why other platforms sacrifice performance for, you know, faster loading times or whatever, because that's so integral to the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would also, the game while we're talking about the gameplay, uh, comparing it to Doom Eternal as well, all of those mechanics that Dustin was talking about, the, you know, sliding and then grappling and while running and then also when you're in combat parrying and attacking and then using some of your special abilities all of that feels extremely natural where i've i've actually gone back to doom eternal a couple times this year most recently to play the dlc and all of those mechanics are so overwhelming like yeah you get used to them but then you know going back into it and just playing it on a higher difficulty there's so many things to keep track of 
and some of them don't feel like extensions of your character, like the flame belch or whatever. This feels very much like it's exactly what you can do, and all of them are used just extremely well, and you're constantly thinking about them in a way that's not overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're all useful in combat, right? Like, they're, they introduce enemies that make you think about all of your moves, and all of your moves flow together so well. Honestly, maybe Doom Eternal isn't the comparison. Maybe it's um, like Titanfall 2, where everything just feels so natural. It never feels like I'm doing anything weird, or I went, oh yeah, I have that move, I need to use that. Like, it all just, like, I've been playing it, and it all just comes to me. And I think that that is very successful in the part of the game design here. And it works extraordinarily well, which is, again, why I think this game is so successful and so fun, just moment to moment. Uh, I also think it does a great job of introducing like a constant flow of new enemies. I think that they all make use of your abilities very well, except for one. And I'm not sure if I should talk about that now because it's a later game enemy. But like, they all do a good job. Like early on, you'll um, you know, you'll you'll meet dudes with guns, right, pistols, and they fire one shot, and you can do you get like a slow when you when you you get a dash move, you know, like you do in Doom or whatever. But if you hold down the dash button and move to the side, it puts you into slow motion so you can dodge bullets as they're being fired at you, which is cool and satisfying. Uh, and so you deal with those enemies. But then later on, you'll get machine gun enemies who will shoot a barrage of bullets at you and you have to like strafe completely around them. Or you'll get dudes with half shields where you have to get behind them somehow. Uh, the best way to do that is to get above them and then attack from above. And... Like, like, I just think all of the enemy variety works really well. Eventually, you'll get to dudes who will jump up in the air and try to ground pound, so you have to be on the move very fast. Uh, there's just a lot of things like that that I think really emphasize the moveset and really, again, help to make these combat arenas flow very well, with the exception of one of the enemies. Yeah, I completely agree. There was no enemy that really gave me a lot of trouble that it was that it was like an issue to fight. I felt like it all challenged me in a very specific way. And then the combinations were just icing on the cake and then the platforming on top of that to maneuver around them. It all just flows really well. We didn't mention it yet, but the it is one hit, one kill, which we talked about. But you only have, with the exception of like one or two power-ups, you only have a close-range melee attack. There's no option to hang back and pick them off from a distance or cheese enemies that are... No, it's all extremely right in your face. Some enemies will get right up on you. The ones that are ranged, you have to get up on them without getting hit beforehand. It adds this sort of frenzied momentum of trying to get to them and then delivering the killing blow. Well, and there is a way to handle enemies ranged, but... It also requires a lot of skill and learning timing because you can, uh, thank God you can because this would not be a real video game if you couldn't, you can reflect bullets back at them if you parry correctly at the right time, which is incredibly satisfying. And you have the upgrade equipped. Yes, yes. And we should talk about the upgrade system. Um, It's weird. It's like um, you get a screen full of slots for your upgrades and then your upgrades basically look like Tetris pieces. Um, so you're kind of fitting them into the screen and you're trying to find the most or the best way to fit them in so you can get the most upgrades in. I, it, It's interesting. I don't love it because I feel like it just forced, it felt like it forced me to not experiment a lot. 
honestly. I think it's a cool idea. It reminds me of the Resident Evil 4 Ashashe case, where you're like rearranging your guns and grenades and stuff. This it's it's kind of similar, but I think it has the thing of like since these are superfluous upgrades, I kind of pick the ones I want and then never touch the other ones. And I feel like part of the problem is because it's kind of a pain in the ass to find out where I can put upgrades in that system. Did you have that experience, or were you a little more adventurous than me? Yeah, well, I would actually compare it. A lot of people aren't gonna get, but to the inventory in Kingdom Hearts three five eight, where a lot of your abilities and in that game your levels you had to uh assemble into the same sort of like puzzle piece matrix this one i found a little more forgiving and whenever i found that the menu had upgraded you know we got more slots i would actually take some time to try and figure out how to refit the ones that i had to make more room so I would end up just kind of scrapping everything and starting over. So that's that allowed me to experiment a little bit more. Um, some It did force me to use some that were like just smaller pieces because I had extra room. I'm like, ah, I could fit that in. There was like a dash upgrade that I just wouldn't have used otherwise. But, you know, it's something to break up the pace, I guess. But it's not, none of them are really necessary in the grand scheme of things the reflection is probably the best one of the group and then the rest are kind of just add-ons to what you can naturally do yeah you don't really get any like completely new abilities from it except for that um parry with the bullets but like it, it's an interesting concept i just with stuff like that i'm like i kind of would just prefer traditional skill tree um but that's just me i, I could recognize that i can be a little boring sometimes with that stuff yeah, let's um let's let's move into I know we've kinda already there, but let's let's move into a bit more spoilerly stuff. Like I said, we both highly recommend the game and the soundtrack. I will say. The soundtrack is perfect for the style of game. It's very I I, I don't know, I would call it EDM. <laughs> like it's got that quick paced action, like it, it complements the gameplay very well and it's very well composed. And I think even at slower moments it's really nice and what you said about just listening to it earlier is totally true. Like, it's totally listenable outside of the game. It's it's excellent. Go check it out if you have the time or want something cool to listen to. Yeah, it's a. If you just like synthwave music, stuff like the Hotline Miami soundtrack, I would say definitely give it a shot. Even the slower moments have that same sort of somber, somber ish tone with still that sort of electronic energy that things like the Fury soundtrack had. But then when you get into the combat tracks, they're very fast-paced. They're very uh, intense without being aggressive, I find. So it's not something like Doom or Doom Eternal where the soundtracks are very aggressive. It's a little less like forceful with it, but it's still intense and matches the the tone of the gameplay. Yes. Also, Synthwave, not EDM. You're right. <laughs> it's a form Excuse of Excuse me while I it's go put myself in the corner. <laughs> um this is just my genre i know i know these things (laughs) you're right come to me if you want the uh, sub genres of pop punk uh gotcha um yeah so anyway highly recommend the game stay tuned for some more specific discussion
All right, let's start off talking about, actually, I want to talk about the cyberspace zones, because I do think, as much as I was saying this game is very unoriginal, I like these areas a lot. I think other, this is the kind of the one place where I feel like the art is, has a more of an original bent. Where other things have done areas like this before, the one that comes to mind for me is Astral Chain has some very similar looking cyberspace-y areas. Yeah, it, it looks very much like Astral Chain. It also kind of reminded me of cyberspace in the System Shock games. Okay, yeah, I can't uh, very much inspire that one. But... but I think it's much better than at least Astral Chain. I th where I thought Astral Chain was very generic looking, this has a lot more... I, th I do think this has a lot more creativity where there's a lot more human structures implemented into this sort of like blocky like what you would you know what representations of code or whatever and i think that that gave off a very cool look and aesthetic especially on pc where there's just a bunch of cool particles and it looked it looked really neat i will say they are the slower moments of the game where you for the most part in these sections you don't get a dash i guess until the last one where it gets insane but you don't get like the dash or um those techniques so they're a lot slower and you're kind of learning your um, new ultimate abilities there but visually i did like those areas of the game more than i think uh the rest of the game yeah i did really enjoy those i liked how they combined the sort of computer aesthetic of something like the original tron or uh something like those system shock areas but it did combine them with like traditional pagodas and just some other very natural looking architecture i thought that was really cool and then the final area with that giant spiraling tower i thought that yes. looked fantastic yeah really really cool stuff so i you know i was being a bit unfair saying this game had nothing original that cool stuff there let's talk about that first boss because i think that's the best one i don't know about you <laughs> The tower the fight against Tom. Great. And because I've watched several reviews of this game, and most of them cite this as the worst part of the game, which is wild to me because I absolutely loved it. <laughs> okay, so I didn't love the second phase. The one where it throws you to the bottom? Yeah, and you're wall running, and then the shockwaves come up the wall. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> but, but please go. I thought that was weird because it requires you to like jump off the wall and then sort of use your time slowing dash to get back onto the wall and this is where your wall run can be a little bit unresponsive uh which is frustrating but i don't know once i got the hang of it it was definitely definitely satisfying to pull off i actually found when i was doing it there's a way you can skip like the entire first section by just grappling fast enough yes i started doing that as well <laughs> so that's fantastic Yes. But yeah, overall, uh, this boss was really fun. <laughs> Definitely the most we've died in this entire game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, well, we, I, I died over 200. You were just shy of that. It's, I think it plays to the platforming strengths of this game very well, which is why I like it the best. I like that second phase a lot because I think it forces you to think creatively because it took me a long time to realize, oh, I need to jump from the wall and then dash immediately back to the wall. And and I, I think those wall running issues are a bit random because I didn't have them during this boss fight. For me, it was just about learning the timing of those shockwaves, which I, again, that's the kind of thing that I just find immensely satisfying. And for whatever reason, maybe my brain is broken. I just love to beat my head against stuff like that until I get it. But yeah, I thought Tom was a great boss fight. Uh, and, I, and I enjoyed the second boss fight as well. 
with um, your uh, the other cyborg person. Uh, whose name is Hell. Hell. H-E-L. Yeah, of course. Um, that is a lot more... It's She's basically... She's another ninja cyborg, so she'll run up to you with a sword, and you have to parry her attacks correctly before you can get a head in, and then she'll jump to a different platform, and then she'll shoot lasers at you, like Legend of Zelda style, and you have to get in close and then repeat the process like three or four times and it's satisfying it's again plays on the strengths of memorization of getting the rhythm down which is what this game's all about and it works really well the final boss fight against mara sucks shit because it's not about that (laughs) it's about time it's about waiting for boss patterns and i think it's lame (laughs) yeah there's a little bit of like manipulating where her attack's gonna land to create an opening but yeah it's it's definitely the weakest yeah it's just like the cool thing about the other two boss fights is again they take like if you know exactly what you're doing and you do it one run it's like five minutes right most like and i think that that rules i love that style where it's like if you're good enough you can beat this immediately with the meat of it's that you're not good enough and you have to learn patterns this is very much it doesn't matter how good you are it's still going to take you a minute because you have to wait for her to go through her animations and i think that that's lame and it totally it totally goes against the spirit of what I think this game is about, at least. Yeah, I definitely agree to that. Um, as for Hell, you died, like, way way more times oh, than me on this yes, one. Yes, embarrassingly, and I, that, I was terrible at this. Yeah, because you were up to, like, what, 120-ish deaths on that fight? Sure, that sounds right. Um, and then I was at, like, 35, <laughs> which is the lowest death count I had in any level in this game. And I realized it's because it's literally just a... 3d version of a fury boss and you have never played fury before so i could see why that was different but to all of you that have played fury it's very much like that just parrying the attack so you don't get hit and then it swaps between the parrying mode to the movement mode where you're going to move to the next area and then you go back into sword mode where you're blocking things it was like one to one so once i realized that around death like 12 then i was just kind of smooth sailing from there yeah i that's probably convinced me i gotta play that game you gotta play fury <laughs> yeah and yeah i'll get around to it after you play all those demos oh my god or just the <laughs> four billion video games that are been released this week <laughs> ghost runner we're talking about ghost runner uh not me really wanting to play miles morales yeah i i do want to shout out before that boss the train sequence really cool heavy uncharted 2 vibes big fan always any train in a video game yeah yeah this i feel like that's those are like cheating in video games if you nail a good <laughs> train sequence it's always going to be cool it's always going to be uncharted too yeah oh yeah of course that's the that's the one but yeah i mean i i enjoyed it it actually kind of reminded me of the opening of star wars jedi fallen order oh yeah yeah totally just that combat with the train sequence i enjoyed that and the platforming yeah totally it's it's very similar it's where you get on top of the train and you're dodging signs and stuff it's it's very fun um and then there's another sequence i think it's right before the train where you're doing a big slide uh and you're having to use okay so so on this note i didn't talk about this before but i did mention i didn't play with the controller 100 percent of the time because there's a mechanic where you get shurikens and it's basically it works like a power-up so you get them and then you have a timed a uh, limited amount of time to use them which is a cool idea. The problem is when you're playing with controller, and I'm actually curious to see if this is the same across the console versions. I hope it's not. They don't give you any auto aim at all. So it's completely free aim, which sucks because 
you, they're basically asking you to be incredibly accurate with these shurikens while you're wall running, which on controller on sticks is almost impossible. <laughs> so there were a lot of times in this game where I just had to switch to mouse and keyboards because I couldn't do it on controller because I'd have to like run past the wall and use the shuriken to hit a switch to stop a fan so it wouldn't kill me. And those were probably the sequences where I died the most, and I feel like that could have been avoidable if they had just a touch of auto-aim on there. For controller specifically. Yeah, because I played it I'm, on... Mouse and keyboard, it was totally fine. Yeah, um, I played the entire game with mouse and keyboard. My big complaint with the mouse and keyboard setup is that the shift is used for the dash, and then left control is used for the slide. So if you're trying to do them with any sort of, like, speed or conjunction your pinky is going to be like twisting itself up and that's just partially my fault because i have weird double jointed pinkies and they don't like controllers so that was my only hang up otherwise i think the control scheme for keyboard and mouse at least was very good yeah and i will say aside from those shuriken segments the control scheme for controller is great and it feels very natural and they do the very smart thing of putting all of your jumping and uh, dashing actions on the bumpers and triggers so you're oh, free to look around good. and, you know, um, and it, that, all that stuff works incredibly well. I want to talk about the enemies. Uh, I'm going to start off with my negative, with the one enemy I think sucks shit, which is the kamikaze enemy. I hate them. I don't think they add anything to the sandbox, and I think that they suck. <laughs> I just think they suck. I actually found them really cool in certain circumstances, um, a lot of the times it was very much like, okay, I can't do anything about these, but in the one or two arenas where their design is mainly just to keep you on the move, you know, make sure you don't, because they like to pair those with the ninja enemies that you have to wait and then parry their attack and then get the opening. Right. So when they combine them with that, then it's meant to either you have to deal with the ninja enemy extremely quickly, which is not always a guaranteed, or you have to just move on and then come back later, which I found that cool because then you get to explore the level and then dodge these, you know, exploding enemies and then come back for the, for the ninja enemies. But that was like one or two combat sequences. The rest of the time, they're just way in the way and they can hit you from really far away. I feel like, so yeah, definitely a low point. Yeah. And I, I disagree with you in the sense that, like, I feel like these enemies would be fixed if the second they aggroed on you, they were done. The fact that they can aggro on you and you can get away too quickly and they won't explode, I think, is what makes them kind of a nightmare for me. Where, like, especially towards the end with the bigger arenas, I just found them really frustrating because I feel like I would be almost completely done with the arena and then run into one of those guys who I thought had blown up already who would get me. And I just, and maybe I'm just bad and not paying attention enough, but like, it, I just found them incredibly frustrating. Like, I thought it was cool the first time you meet them because they come at you in a hallway and it's scary and you have to dash backwards really fast and that's cool. But like, in terms of the combat arenas, that's actually my least favorite places for them to be because I just felt like, I felt like I was constantly getting tricked almost and not yeah, a fun Yeah, I completely agree with that. They are scary as hell though <laughs> yes and again that first time you see them pretty cool because then they run at you and you're like oh shit oh shit oh shit and you have to back up really quick um but to get off this negative train and talk about the enemies that are cool i think every single enemy archetype in this game every single other enemy to archetype in this game is fantastic um i love those ninjas that you have to parry again learning timing learning you know how to do that correctly very fun 
Um, the ground pound enemies I mentioned earlier are also great. Shout out to those Metal Gear robots. I think they're also really cool. Uh, again, because they force you to use the uh, slide move in combat, which I really like. Those ground pound enemies, I think, are what the exploders were trying to be, where they want to keep you on the move. Totally. And the, those do that by just lunging directly at you extremely quickly. So you have to stay on the move to avoid getting hit by that attack. And then you can also use it as a way to just dodge slightly and then stay close to them where they landed and then killing them immediately. Yeah, I think those those Metal Gear <laughs> enemies were really fun to use. The way that... And this is kind of like the most punishing enemy, I find, because the timing for that slide is extremely precise. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's so satisfying to pull off. There's one where you have to fight two of them like right at the start of an arena, and that was... It got to the point where that was the easiest part of the arena for me because one, you can just kind of sneak up on and then the other, you can just time the slide perfectly and then use the dash to close in and kill it before it has time to shoot another blast. And it's extremely precise, but it's extremely consistent. It's never bullshit. Like, and that's what makes it so good. And I, the same thing with the ninja enemies that you have to parry. It's also just extremely consistent, which makes it so fun. Because again, it never feels like it's the game's fault that you lost to those enemies. It's your fault for not timing it correctly, which it's just, oh, it's so good. It feels so good. When you when you finally get it and you clear out that room, it's brilliant. It just feels so good. Yes, 100%. I also love, I love the drone enemies, the flying ones that you can jump on top of and plunge your sword into and then control for a second. Early on, they're kind of used as part of the platforming, but when they show up in combat arenas, they're really fun because you can drive them into other enemies to kill them, which I... I also found pretty satisfying but you could also reflect their projectile if you have that ability and then just kill them that way yeah totally i also like the enemies that like multiply uh, with holograms later on too a uh, little bit of like forces you to do a little bit of quick decision making to find the correct one the real one to kill them or my strategy just kill all of them extremely quickly yes. and then one of them will be dead Yes, there you go. Yeah, I, I think they're all really well. I really like the um, shield generators, which are like these balls that give enemies impenetrable shields, so you have to go find them in the arena, and they're usually hidden high up to force you to wall run up there to kill them. Um, very cool, very cool stuff. Um, what did you think about the special abilities you get? One of them was great. Uh, one of them was pretty good, and then there's one that was very, very powerful. Um, the one that's fantastic is Tempest. I love that one. Just the ability, just any sort of like force push can deal with multiple enemies if you're close enough, or it can reflect projectiles back. So if you don't have the timing for the actual reflect ability, then you can just use Tempest to do it. My other one that seemed a little redundant at first, but I kind of got used to it, was the Sword Slash. Which I forget if that was its official name, but you know, you just shoot a horizontal beam. Uh, good long-ranged option, but I mainly found it, like, kind of the same to Tempest. Yes, which is why it is one of my critiques here, is that, like, it feels like once I got the Sword Slash, or whatever, the Zelda beam, whatever, it was, like, I'm not gonna go back to the other ones, because it's basically the same thing, except it keeps me out of harms, it's a ranged attack that can get multiple enemies, and 
I feel like by that point in the game, I had the timing down on the bullet reflect stuff that I didn't need the Tempest. So I, I felt like once I got that one, it made the other two options before that a little redundant. Yeah, well, in Blink, I think I I had a lot of trouble with the with the tutorial because it sets them sets a bunch of enemies up horizontally as your first encounter, which is really confusing because blink is a ability that lets you just dash and kill multiple enemies in a single line instantaneously, which is neat, but I feel like there's never really an opportunity where that's helpful. I think I used it a grand total of like once (laughs) where there's two enemies in a line. I'm like, okay, this is faster, but that's about it. Yeah, oftentimes I found it put me into more trouble than it was worth because I would teleport to the middle of a bunch of enemies. So oftentimes I would like, I'm just going to use this on the last guy, and then at that point it just felt kind of useless. So I just stopped using it once I got the other abilities. Um, the um, I don't know what it's called, but the one where you can basically hijack other another enemy, that's probably my favorite, just because, I mean, it's basically two free kills at the end of the day. <laughs> Maybe more if you get lucky. You can basically, any enemy, basically, you can hijack and have them fight for you. And 99% of the time, they'll kill somebody, and then somebody will kill them. So, it's like, there's literally no reason to not do it. So, which which is cool. It also, it. this ability is called Overlord. And the I also enjoyed that while they're mind-controlled under the ability, you can also kill them without them ever having a chance to block or respond. So at one point I used the ability on a katana guy to kill the shield guy that was next to him. And then that let me get close enough and not have to parry the katana guy's attack because he was mind controlled. So I could just kill him. Yes. There's a moment like it's one of the last combat encounters you have where you like, like get up to the high ground and then there's like five of those katana guys. And that ability is incredible, incredibly useful there. Yeah, we, I should mention, just so people don't think uh, you're awful, that once that ability wears off, they turn against you again, and you have to kill them anyway. <laughs> so, Yeah, no, you're not just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is kind of awful, and the main character does acknowledge that, where they're like, this is fucked up. <laughs> and then the architect is like, well, you don't have to use it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I am going to use it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I want to talk about that last platforming sequence where you are in the cyberspace area again, and you have to platform between moving walls that are moving at you. like So it looks like a hallway, but they're segments of walls, so you're jumping between walls as they're moving at you, which is probably the the, hardest part of the game. Yeah, for sure. It's like that uh, future level in Crash 4. Yes. but With the trucks coming at you. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually Only way the, more precise. Yeah, and I was actually thinking the one that's um, with the cargo that's flying at you. That could be too, but it's mainly wall running, and I think the trucks had that in the. No, that's a better. That's a better uh, comparison. And the last one of those where they have fireballs being thrown at you is like almost impossible. It's so hard. Yeah, it's really rough. And then they put bottomless pits in the hallway with the fireballs. Yeah, but like it's the kind of thing where like. Again, I really enjoyed it. I figured out that, like, the thing I wasn't doing was using the blink, the slowdown ability to help me precisely catch the walls. 
And once I started doing that, those challenges became much easier. <laughs> not not easy, but easier. Because uh, the fireball one was giving me a lot of trouble at the end. But once I started using that to actually help me dodge and do the timing, it, it worked out. Yeah, is there any other highlights you want to mention? I don't think so. I think the... Was there actually an option to not save the the Sector 5? I don't think so. There's no choices in this game. It's very straightforward. Well, there is... There is kind of... Because right at that point where they're like, they're going to shut off the fans to Sector 5 and everyone's going to die. And then the architect is like, yeah, but we don't have time for that. You got to move on. That's the only time that the objective marker actually has two objectives on it. Oh, really? I don't even think I noticed. I think I just... I don't know. That didn't even register I mean, it to does me. that right right before you enter the elevator to do the good path. <laughs> Weird. So, I don't know if there even was an option to not do it, because it feels like that entire fan level is built in such a way that you have to, you know, reactivate to the fans. <laughs> so, I don't... You also get an achievement for saving them. So, like, I don't know if that's supposed to be a choice or is just the one thing that, that happens. Huh. That was just confusing to me. I mean, it's fine. I was going to pick the option that it gave me anyway, so... Yeah, interesting. I didn't even realize it was one. Weird. Very strange. Huh. I wonder if that changes anything. If there's an alternate level, then I'd be willing to go back, but I don't... I don't know. I'll look into it later. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's basically Ghost Runner. A cool-ass video game. Highly recommend it. Even if you heard all this, like I said earlier, don't worry. It's a gameplay-ass gameplay game. Don't worry about story or spoilers. It's fine. It does have secrets in the levels. Uh, we didn't really mention you can find like audio diaries and collectibles. and I think the ones that I found felt fun. Um, just like little optional tasks, usually hidden in a way that you hit the platform to. Enjoyed those quite a bit. Um, I didn't go after everything, so I can't really speak to that 100%. But what I did find, it reminded me of like Doomed Eternal and stuff like that. So, which is a good thing. Yeah, it was something that was there and made me want to keep the upgrade that keeps them on the radar. <laughs> I wanted that in my loadout. Um, so I found the ones that I could feasibly get to. And then there's also like sword colors that you can unlock and it changes your sword's look which is the only thing really on your, <laughs> in front of your character. So I only found a I couple that was of those. Cool. Got a dope I think I found one. about a dozen of them. So yeah, I think, I think I only found like five, like I barely had any of them, uh, but got this cool ass purple one that I stuck with for most of the game. Um, oh yeah. That one's great. So, they announced DLC for this, didn't they? Kind of. They confirmed that they are working on DLC, but that's a, that's all they said. Okay, that's exciting. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover that eventually then. I really want more of this game. I liked it that much, so that's very interesting to me. Which, like, the Doom Eternal DLC is. So, I'm sure we'll keep our eyes peeled on that and pay attention to that. But... Other than that, I you know, this game seems to have done very successfully, so can't wait for the DLC and to see what this team does next, because it's very good. 
Hopefully hire yeah, some this was... better writers. <laughs> Maybe it's my one recommendation. I mean, it, it gets the job done. Yeah, but, the... you know, you, you could, you know, you don't have to settle. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to settle, but settling is taken. The... What? This was a game I knew almost nothing about when before it came out. I think I saw like one thing on some live stream and then you had told me, "Hey, uh have you seen this game? It looks cool. We should do it." And I was like, "All right, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not?" Yeah, we were looking for a game cuz we had one more slot for an episode this year and we were kind of discussing games we were looking at and uh this was not one of those and then this came out and I was like, "I got to play this. Are you interested? We got to play this." <laughs> like yeah, so a very, very much glad that I gave it a shot. Yeah, totally. And like I said, I, you know, I think this game is gonna be at least be on my game of the year list, if not pretty high on that list. Um, also, shout out to when we eventually do Katana Zero, and I describe that game as a two D platformer version of Ghost Runner. Just saying, look out for that in the future. There you go. Even though Ghost Runner came second. Speaking of your game of the year list, you want to talk about what's up for the rest of the year? Yeah, so in two weeks after this episode, we will have our, uh, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, unless something goes wrong. We are recording this pretty early. Uh, we'll have our episode on Death Stranding, which I'm currently playing through and Connor has already played. Uh, and then after that, what are we planning? Like at the end of the year, it'll be a bonus episode, right? That's how the timing works out. We will do a dedicated... Well, What's up? Kind of, depending on how we want to release things, we will have an episode on our game of the year picks, what our favorite game of the year that we covered on the show, not that just came out. So Luigi's Mansion 1, look out. It's eligible. The, it's eligible. It's eligible for game of the year. Um, also games that came out this year that we played, and then even just games that we played this year that we thought were cool um we'll have all of that sometime late december maybe within (laughs) 2020 yes within 2020 the two-week schedule lines it up on boxing day uh december 26th that might be weird to do so we'll we'll think about that but that'll definitely be after death death stranding so look forward to that yes uh and then we have uh well, we'll see if it's a surprise. We have a series we're going to do for the first part of 2021. Uh, so you'll get a couple episodes in a row of the same series, which should be fun. I think it'll be entertaining. It might be a, quite a few episodes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we, we've talked about we might have to break it up. We're not sure. We have stuff to break it up with. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. but uh, So yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Dustin H. Dragon on Twitter. And where can they find you? Um, I'm at Brickmaster03 on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the show at SaveStationPod. Um, we'll post what's coming up, what other kind of stuff. There's also a poll on there, which might have closed by the time this definitely have episode closed. is up. It's probably closed right now. I'll, I'll do another one. Uh, we'll have polls. Um, right now we're thinking about doing a YouTube channel, so we'll keep that posted. Um, but yeah, any of that news you can find at Save Station Pod on Twitter. Hope you're all having a good day, and please be good to each other. Bye, all. Yep, take care.